Welcome to Ebbs and Flows, episode two. Uh, good friend of mine, good man, good guy, Mr. Eon Williams, uh, published author. Did not only author in those books, but also published uh, quite a few of those, 11 books in total. Started out in the street literature game. Uh, my man is now a, a crime novelist, is, is the title given. Uh, Plenty of helping hands extended back to the community uh, for our young people, uh, as well as older people. So let's uh, let's welcome Mr. Eon Williams. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. You know, good this platform being able to man speak on these things is important to both of us. You know, definitely, definitely. Um, I see you got the, the palm trees and the beach. Um, COVID has kind of slowed us down in the movement of all of that, but uh, you look good. It's good seeing your face. Um, we want to we want to touch on because a lot of people don't know you. Um, I do, and those that follow you on the, the various platforms that you're on, um, they pretty much keep up with you and see exactly what it is that you got going on. Um, you're always extending your hand back to the community, uh, always giving back to the people, and so. Uh, we just want to know kind of a little bit about your background, where you come from, uh, and, and what that looked like for you. Uh, uh, as far as my background, I'm a Washingtonian native, born and raised in Washington, D.C., Northwest Washington, D.C. Uh, when I grew up, I, I guess I would say I grew up or came of age in the late 80s, late 80s early 90s, and uh, Washington, D.C. was a rough place, among other places in the city, I mean, in the country. And uh, as a teenager, I got involved, uh, I got caught up in the justice system. I caught a murder at 16, got charged as an adult, got a life sentence with an intermediate sentence. But basically I got a life sentence, but they said in the front number was 15 to life. And uh, I went to prison. I ended up doing 17 years in prison. And uh, while in prison, uh, I, I kind of would say I honed the skill of writing. I wrote a couple books, but more importantly than writing the books, uh, I learned how to read and write a little bit of law. So uh, I was able to actually uh, get my sentence reduced and fight the parole, uh, United States Parole Commission for several years for illegal things that they did. And we could get into that. I don't want to hijack the direction. But um, uh, in the process of uh, all that fighting and all that litigating, I eventually uh, made parole at uh, 33 years old and kind of like starting my life over. Uh, I've been home for 10 years. So I came home on parole for life. And uh in the beginning, I just took everything slow. You know, uh, uh, I started, uh, when I came home, I had three books published. I published like uh, eight more books since then of my own. And uh, I was taking care of myself with publishing and writing books and public speaking and getting into films and movies and things like that. And uh, just recently, about a month ago, I got off parole. Uh, in the process of that for about the last year, officially, I've been working as a youth mentor for gun, gun offenders, Young men that's been uh, affected by either participating in gun violence or being the victim of gun violence. And uh, I work for a company called Youth Advocate Programs, uh, like a, almost a 50-some-year-old country. They work in a, I mean, 50-year-old company that work all over the country with uh, young people that have uh, been caught up in the justice system. Uh, something that's unique about us and my group of men that we work with, we call Credible Messages, that we work with a demographic of young men between 18 and 35. And if anybody that was in prison that we worked with, if they caught a case while they was a juvenile, they could be 50 years old right now. We still support them. I mean, I love that. Everything in a nutshell. <clears throat> I love that. I love that. And so 
And so it starts out because, you know, I, I know that, you know, your initial drive was giving back to the youth. Um, you were a youth. You ran across some trouble. And because of that trouble or during the time of dealing with that trouble or rectifying uh, what it was that led you to that trouble, you discovered a passion of yours, which was writing. Um, were you always into the arts or was it something that kind of was ignited during your your journey through beginning to now? Uh, that's a good question. For real, for real, like uh, for people that knew me before, you know, I, I kind of like got into trouble. I was just a regular little young and around the way. You know, uh, where I'm from, Go-Go Music, which is the official music of Washington, D.C. now, Go-Go Music is real popular and real ingrained in the culture. So uh, as a kid, uh, my favorite musics were Go-Go and rap. But if you was from D.C., Go-Go and going out rule rap back then. However, since I had a, a love for words and rhyming, I used to rap with the Go-Go band. So my wordplay and my love for words came from just doing that. Uh, as I, as I had dreams of uh, doing other things, as far as like artistically that you said, you know, we didn't really have, uh, we had a ceiling on some of our dreams. Like, you know, back in the day, even if you could rap and you was a good rapper, you was from DC, Gogo was going out shine. That's so the only way you to really, for you to really fulfill that type of, that love or passion was through Gogo. And I said, no, oh, no. I was going to prison before any type of uh, rap thing got to popping. But while in prison, you know, um, as funny as it may seem, you know, in prisons, in federal prisons and in state prisons and local prisons that I've been in, you have dudes that were talented rappers. I mean, rappers that was as talented as uh, people that had record deals. I mean, in fact, some of these guys as rappers now that was rappers in the past honed their skill in prison, just like boxers. And uh, no doubt. anybody that know me can say that I was one of the best rappers that was in my age range from DC. I mean, the age range above me wasn't in the rap, you know. It was <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. My, we we dabbled and dabbled our hand in it, but, but not, not, <laughs> not, not serious at all. Yeah. And even when I came along, you know what I mean, it was almost corny. And if you wasn't thorough, you was a bammer. So you had to be almost thorough enough to rap, and then your buddies right. had to approve it, and then it still was just cool. Oh, they do that. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, when I got old enough and mature enough to understand that I'm doing a life sentence and, and, and me being a rapper, you know what I mean, wasn't really a reality. What happened after that was some type of way I ventured off into poetry and I was surrounded by a buddy of mine named Short Dog that was a wordsmith. So he was good with letters and poems and other things. So I guess right. that desire to express myself outside of those walls continued to expound. And I mean, when I'm saying we was doing rapping, we had a, we, we want to, we want to, a talent show in a prison we was in and had a, a real right. studio with all the equipment placed in it. I mean, they need to shout out to the DC homies at that prison right now to the day because we put that in there and we no longer there. And the record exactly. and, uh, before the studio is still there. And anybody with any type of uh, tentacles into uh, the, the post of the people that been in, they know that we did that. But uh, And that's in this state that I'm living in right now. You know yeah, how we, <laughs> yeah, we did that. I mean, the people who were there, right. You know, administration, COs, people from the other parts of a, of a jurisdiction, right. they know that we did that. And mm -hmm. uh, not to dwell too much on that, but I mean, we produced some CDs, mixtapes, we did all type of stuff that I mean, I don't even really talk about to this day, but we did that at that time. But nevertheless, we were DC prisoners and we was only gonna be there for a minute. We got sent to the federal system and the federal system annihilated any type of dreams or visions of that. But I right. wasn't gonna allow them to annihilate no type of dreams or visions I had on my own. So while I was in transit going to the feds, I said, shoot, I got at least 10 more years to do. If I start writing a book by right now, 
I don't know how good the book would be or what the book would be about, but if I survived doing 10 years in the feds, I would finish it. Just so happened I finished about 25 of them joints, but I didn't know how right. that would go. But uh, I, I put all my uh, energy into uh, writing and writing this one book, this book called Fast Lane, which in all actuality, if for real, for real, Fast Lane was nothing but a fictionalized version of me growing up uptown. You know what I mean? Looking at right. the guys like you and older than you, you know, that I right. learned the name from as I was a kid. And I wrote about these things. So for real, when people read that book, and not to pat myself on the back, but I will say that a lot of people say that the character development in the book is authentic. Uh, I really can't take creative credit for it because I watched older guys from me go to Whittier, to Paul. Well, right. elementary school, to middle school, and junior high school, to high school. In my neighborhood, Whittier was the elementary. Paul Rabot was right. a junior high school. Calvin Coolidge or Roosevelt was high school. Yep. You watch things. For me, my culture and the way I grew in the manhood was watching my cousin or brothers that was older than me. If they wore New Balance or Nike boots or Super Tims, if they wore guest jeans or Versace jeans, they wore Polo or Hugo or Gucci. That's what I aspired to, to do and, and grow into as I got older. I mean, just to keep it real. So all of that, all the way down to the walk, the talk, the slang, the culture, the go-go, I put that in my first book. And I knew that no matter what, that uh, once I got to the feds and I met people from all type of different demographics, I was like, shoot, we unique. And I, I mean, I've been on that for a long time. Like some people be on some type of time, like, you know, you set tripping. I don't think you set tripping if you got pride on where you from. Like I don't let right. the pride no about that. Uh, disrespect or negate any relationship that I can meet, make with a person from Alaska or Houston. You dig what I'm saying? Right. So, and, uh, and, and each state has their own individual characteristics that make up yeah, who some they are. Uniqueness, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some uniqueness. Yeah. And uh, uh, that turned into writing. And uh, like me, for an example, go all the way back to uh, uh, being young, looking up to dudes that was older than me. Even when I got in prison, dudes that was older than me and dudes that I had respect for I think they saw something in my writing. And uh, I want to send a big shout out and a rest in peace to a homie named Machine. He used to come get my book chapter for chapter. And he was one right. of the earliest dudes I knew at the time. You dig what I'm saying? As a young yep. man, good friend. Good with friend. Writing, and I knew that he had already lived this. Keep in mind, I'm only like 21 at the time. He probably about 27 or something at the time, 26 yep. maybe, something like that. I ain't sure. But my point is that. The, uh, the age range and the things that we had been to, they were, they, they were different. So if I was saying, in my mind, shoot, if I left the streets at 16 and I seen all this and I seen all that and I put this in this book and I know that this one person seen all this, if he feels as though it was authentic, it gave me an inspiration to keep writing. And it was you many people going. like that. You know what I mean? Right. But I just remember standing out in my mind when people asked me this question. And, people, and no one's asked me this question in, in, in some years now. Uh, and right. I never had really no opportunity to tell that story. But he used to be in a... In, in, in jail, we had units or pods, right? So in, mm -hmm. in this pod I was in, it was a door that separated me from this unit. And he used to knock on this door and get my book chapter for chapter. And when right. the chapter was ready, he would ask for the next chapter. Then other people started to see that he was reading it. And right, he, right. He didn't disrespect nobody, but, uh, you know, uh, humans are creatures of kind of like, uh, you know, habit and flock. So they saw him reading it and they, it drove their interest. And for real, for real, I used that years later as a marketing scheme. When I came on the streets, I started getting the most popular dudes in the street to support the right. book. And then all of a sudden, all the people in their neighborhood and their aunts and their uncles and their cousins bought the book. So that's there you that's go. I got into the writing thing as a business and as an art. There you go. Rest in peace to uh, Vernon Boykin, good friend of mine, uh, Machine Asadi. Um, definitely missed daily. Um, and so you touched on a point, though. You said that, you know, as a youngster, um, you kind of you, you, you looked up to the guys 
who were a little older than you. And I want to know, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of removed from the inner city workings of, of today's youth. I want to know what that looks like today, because I remember the older guys of my generation, although they had a pocket full of money, they, they, and even if they allowed you to delve into that portion of the game, it was only a small portion that they wanted to expose you to. So I want to know what that looks like today for today's youth. Are they look? Is there is there a an example? Even if it being quote unquote negative, is there an example that um, that the youth are seeing is saying, hey, you know, uh, Eon Williams, he 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 went in and he was able to to author and publish so many books. Um, how does that word get to the street? And and exactly what steps? Are you taking when you when you're passing that message along to the young people? Ah, all right. I think I can answer that in like two ways, but I want to make clear from my opinion because since I've been doing this work, right before I even try to answer the question, since I've been doing this work, I noticed that a lot of people make the mistake of saying something is totally one way or another. For an example, okay. you got some good brothers from southeast. For people who don't know where I'm from, DC is broken down into four quadrants: northwest, northeast, southeast, southwest. And in different quadrants of the city, you had different influences and different styles. It's still uniquely D.C. But you will talk to a guy that's a mentor and maybe, I don't want to get into the street credibility thing, he may be an OG. Right. Mm-hmm. He'll say, oh, nah, this happens over here, this happens over there, this happens over there. And then sometimes I leave it alone because he may be correct about that particular place, although I do work in Southeast too. But as a Northwest guy, my culture, and my style and my upbringing was going to always be different than his. Not to get in the right. center, but right, right. Uh, you I know, understand that. I grew, when I was growing up, we had dudes, although we didn't call them OGs or big homies at that time, they were some older dudes. The dudes had respect and there was pride in it. A lot of these right. guys that I'm meeting now, and I'm getting into trying to answer the question. And a right. lot of these guys that I'm meeting that's of age now, and let's be real, the youngest run the game. And when I'm saying the youngest, you got the youngest from 14 to 17, that's a clip. You got the youngest okay. from uh, 18 to 21 and 24. That's a click. You got the ones that's okay. right between them. And then you got dudes that's like 27, 30. They really the OGs. They really the ones that should be old enough to be out of it, but may still be in it. And so dudes right. like us, really, for real, for real, I guess, you know, I don't want to get into all these names and titles of OGs or big homies of this, but we definitely veterans if we have any knowledge of that experience, right? But right. I'm finding that there's a big gap, right? Okay. I can't skip the snitching thing. I'm going to just touch on a teeny, a teeny bit. But it's a big gap in respect and influence, right? And I know that okay. some of these youngers that I know is thorough. Uh, we just going to leave it at thorough, and they somebody in the mm-hmm. streets right now. What they say to me is, homie, when I was coming up, we raised ourselves. The older dudes that was left around when we was around, we didn't mess with them because of this, 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 and that. Okay, okay. A bunch of okay. older guys' flaws. We know what some of them can be. But for sure, okay. they felt as if they was raising themselves. Now, I'm answering that for that just that side. Now, some of them make good decisions. Some of them don't. My thing is, once I identify that I have some influence or some rapport or even some type of respect with them, then I okay. get into what's wrong or what's right. But I do that individually. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I do it publicly. And I always, I always remember that the 17 years that I was away, most of these youngers don't know me. The ones that think they know me, they only know me because they was in prison with me and I did something for them in prison. And we know the prison right. is a different environment. In prison, I was mm-hmm. more important than most of the people that are my friends or associates or 
I don't want to use the word pupil, but a young guy that I'm uh I'm extending my 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 my, my myself to. You know what I mean? Right. But in, mm -hmm. in the streets, they were more way more important to me because what they mean to their hood and their part of their little corner of DC. You know what okay. I mean? So a lot of times they helping me get into the community and help the other ones. And uh I think that for real, for real, you know, if a lot of guys if a lot of guys that had backgrounds like me and you and other people that have experienced things and mature from them, if, you know, if, uh, if they just keep the line of communication over with some of them, they're going to be able to get that message to them, but it's going to only be a few. Now, keep in mind, you got two other groups of older guys that got control of people in the city, in these inner cities like I see, and some of these guys may be older and they, they, they corrupt themselves. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm not going to say corrupt is just speaking bad about them, but they living what we saying a whole nother no. life. And they may know right. the rules. The youngest don't know the rules. The youngest don't know that you can go to jail on a drug or on a narcotics charge and have a murder up as a part of it, beat the murder, get found guilty of the drugs and should only be facing five, but the judge is sentenced you to life for the murder because it's federal sentencing. Like, it's things right. that people don't know and don't understand. It. And I'm not making none of it up. You know, I'm not even just judging that I read some far remote case in Iowa somewhere, I, I can list 10 or 20 guys that me or you both know that's in the feds right now yep. for all preponderance of evidence and relevant conduct. So yep. talking like they know this and they know that and they bout this and they bout that, I won't try to bash them or shame them like you don't know. I just try to school them and hit them to how much more stuff is out there. And then the, the, the last one that I said I didn't want to get too deep on is you got a lot of dudes out here that's rats. These dudes that cooperated with the government, that's a, uh, that's a part of the, the, the poison that's going on in the city and the streets all over, but not a part of the solution because it's win-win for them. If they lose in a the game, boom, they lose in the game and they back and they tell on somebody else. And then all the youngest only see is the cars and the jewelry and this and this and that. Some of these right. youngest fully understand the word snitching. Like in these programs that we in, for some reason, because we work with a population of guys, the street guys, and they'll bust you. It ain't even no whole lot to them. Most of them in there for busting something. They don't even know what's technically telling or snitching. We have to have long hour conversations of what is telling or snitching, not to convince them or, co or coerce them into never snitching, but to understand that even when somebody's around you that's snitching and you live in this type of lifestyle, how it affects you legally or reputationally. Right. Right. But, um, right. It, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's some type of common ground that you all got to build, especially any, any type of men that's giving back to young men and any type of person that's a mentor. You got, you got to find a level ground with them and understand, like, I understand I'm 43 now. Anything that I did when I was living like them and I was quote-unquote active is a distant memory, homie. Yep, <laughs> no doubt about it. So and far removed. No, you know, like, yes. if I'm at the gas station and you whip your gun out right. on me, I can right. see, I mean, I'd give you my chain if I got to give you my chain, but I'm talking, I'm not mm -hmm. going to panic, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to I'm a right, right, right. My, my, my right. With the situation, what do yeah. you do when you look in that danger? That's never gonna go nowhere. And you know what? That, that uh, it's it's crazy that you touched on that because uh, the last guest spoke about PTSD, and you know that's and, and and that's a form of it because it's it even though it 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 allows you to deal with a situation in a very logical manner, right? It's still unnatural to to deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing. Um, you spoke about um, when you were, you know, young and what kind of catapulted you to to the writing. And during that time, you spoke about um, an awakening of being able to uh, figure out the legal sides of things. Right. Yeah. And so 
Um, is there a place where the young people, because th this is my whole thing. I want to know what can we do for the young people to A, get them information, to B, to bridge that disconnect that you spoke about, um, and, and to see, look, one by one, I don't care if it's just one. If one get to watch the ebbs and flows and says, hey, you know what? Um, I delved off into that before, or I didn't, right? But here's what can happen. I can take a positive or a negative and create a positive. I can write. I can produce. I can rap. I can do whatever I want to do, right? I don't want a limitation to be set at all on a young person based on circumstance or environment, right? So um, you started reading up on, on the law, okay? And is there, what are you doing now as far as in the community? What are you, what are you working on? Uh, pertaining to law, just period. Just, just in general, because whatever you're working on, I already know it's going to be a positive, yeah, right? I, you know, <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, uh, with the work that I'm doing for Real, for Real, you know, they call it youth mentor, but okay. uh, I was already doing, I was already doing youth mentoring without a title, without a check from the government. Just so okay. happened, a, a, a homie of mine came home with a dude named Sean Branch. Shout out to him. Check out his book, okay. Money, Money, Mayhem, right? Sean Branch uh -huh. came home, and in a part of his game plan, he figured out a way to get into helping the youth directly with OK or DHS, right? Okay. And uh, in the process of that, I guess when opportunities open for him, he called dudes who he felt was kind of like, quote, unquote, reliable. I ain't going to get into no other terms, but right. Just reliable dudes that had some honor. Right. And I, right. I was one of those dudes in a position came up for this unique type of credible messenger that worked with these guys from 18 to 35. And it's funny, right, that uh, you have to get vetted to do this work, right, by another right. guy. And uh, the, this guy, uh, he checks to make sure that, you know, you don't got no beefs in the street, you don't got no bones on you. And, uh, <laughs> and then he was like you say you were... All this stuff, you know, I couldn't believe they was doing that, right? Right. I, called the, I know the guy. You know what I'm saying? I know the guy, right? Right. And because I want to tell a funny story, but I don't want to say his name. <laughs> so anyway, the guy, I guess the guy's number, and I say, so I got the job or whatever. Listen, and Fox, my man Fox, that was just, you know, the people, Definitely. Right? That was street Fox, shout out to street politics. supervisor, so I, I assume when I got to this level that the artist done, I've been doing this for four, five days, man. You know what I mean? Right. Keep in mind, to be honest with you, right, it's been ups and downs in my life. At this point in time, I was hustling. You know what I mean? I okay. got fed up and so frustrated with a lot of other things, and we could go into that later, but this was just a patch. But I was hustling, and I was trying to stop. And I kept telling right. him, look, man, I'm spending, I've been doing this for days, man. The rent coming up and all this other stuff is going okay. on. Yep. And he's like, nah, 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 you got it. You got it. You just got to go through the uh, thing. So I said, all right, who was that? So they said it's such and such. So I said, Hey, stop playing, man. Give me the phone. So I called, said the session, said the session, say, oh, nah, it's you. Oh, nah, nah, you good. But you know, we got to make sure dude wasn't uh, participating in no type of sexual deviance. I mean, he used right. He said right. he ain't doing this while he was in jail or doing nothing with no kids. And one right. big thing was that uh, he said that, you know, we want to make sure dudes is not one foot in, one foot out. And that if you one right. foot in, you should go ahead and get all that big boy money and leave this little boy mental leave money. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm getting all that, but a lot of people had things to say about that particular stance, but that's true. I mean, if you're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars or if you're getting thousands of thousands of dollars a week, you don't need to be messing with this little teeny bit of hundreds of dollars unless it's just a friend. I mean, that's how they don't give dudes opportunities that can really... Exactly. Exactly. And put a stain on it. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. Uh, yep. 
that's how, that's how that went down, and that's how we got in that work. So in the process of doing that work, me, I see other angles. Once I got into the builder, so to speak, and I was able to go inside DCJ or go inside CTF, all these guys that needed help, they've been trapped in the system for 30 years. Because I've been, my, my case of conviction arose in 93, and I didn't get off parole until this year. That's a 27-year ordeal. Right. I, got, I, got I got the easy part of it. I got to do 10 years of it on the street. Most of my exactly. buddies haven't even seen the parole board yet. So when I was yep. in the sim in this new law called the Incarceration Reduction Amendment Act, which is really, man, you know, to be honest with you, man, I've never believed in the system or the law. Even when I won things, I just thought it was a verbal. It was just my time. I don't believe that they do nothing for us because they care or they sorry or they realize right. they're wrong. I think that they do it for one reason or another that's political or they just can't do right. anything to do with money. But, you yep. know. Somebody else can argue the other perspective of it. But I gotcha. see dudes and all these dudes, you know, I remember when we had no hair, all my buddies even have no hair or gray hair. So I was right. like, hey, I realized that I work for the youth uh, advocate program. So I went back to my people's. I was like, you know, we only helping these guys and that guys, but uh, we ain't helping dudes from 18 to 35. And the streets have said, you know, these guys is 45 and 50. I knew them when they were 16. I said, they in on charges, they caught it 16 or 17. And yep. sometimes the way we was able to, uh, how do I want to say it? I ain't going to say we didn't discover nothing, but the youth advocate program supposed to work with the people as long as they're touched by the system. So maybe I could call it a loophole. It's not a loophole because we're not spanking. We're not getting over. We are supposed to help this population and nobody is helping that population. Sometimes Man, that's a great point. Responsible for doing it. We're not only supposed to help them while they're in jail, we're supposed to help them while they're home. I started taking initiative to redo and revamp some things that people have forgot about doing or didn't know how to do in that, in that realm. You know what I'm saying? So what I started doing then is uh, I started researching these juvenile laws. I started refreshing myself on the parole laws that I used to fight against them because, for real, Parole is a, is a privilege and not a right. A lot of people don't know that. That's why you can't really make them do what you want them to do. Because once you're right. in and once they got you, you know, uh, Michelle Alexander in the book, The New Jim Crow, that's a book everybody should read. Anybody that deals with the justice system and anybody that deal with, deals with youth. And she's a phenomenal lawyer that used to represent the ACLU in California. And uh, she broke down how to use this whole felony scarlet letter as a new cash system. And I don't want to get deep into, you know, her theories, but I, I see right. it in real life from myself because the, the, the main thing that was really wrong for juvenile offenders, although the Supreme Court has ruled with science that our minds don't develop to a certain point until 24, hey. 25 years old. Yeah, yep. I just spoke yeah, on that. Oh, yeah. And, and yep. you know, everybody, they, they, they acknowledge this now, you know, but you have people, a few that have been executed for crimes they was convicted yep. of at younger than 14. You have many mm -hmm. that's been given life without parole. Some been given defunct life sentences and defunct death sentences. But um, in the process of it, what I started doing is I started refreshing myself on a racket of stuff so I could be of assistance to the lawyers and the investigators because a lot of times these people could be fully loaded and armed with all type of legal jargons, laws, and this. But if they can't right. attack the case for what, it, what the problem is, and I'm going to use my own case as an example. My aunt, you know what I mean, she spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to get me post-conviction help. Right. None of it ever worked. Mm -hmm. Not like that she didn't try, or even the lawyer just wasn't, um, 
I mean, one lawyer just probably wasn't trying to do nothing. He was trying to spring out some money. But some lawyers, I think, really wanted to help, and it was like they couldn't. My point is that until I figured out what was wrong, and I can mm -hmm. articulate it. So my aunt, she don't speak legal jargon. So what I started to tell her is like, listen, I'm a D.C. prisoner. They closed law, and they closed law because of the D.C. Revitalization Act. The D.C. Revitalization Act got rid of the parole board. So that means now the U.S. government has jurisdiction over me. This I'm talking right. to her, right? I said, right. But they changed this while I was already doing time, and I found out yep. this is illegal. That was the that was the that was the normal people conversation. When I tried to get a lawyer to understand, and I said, "Listen, they changed the law. This is a violation of the U.S. ex post facto. I committed a crime at a certain time. I suppose I got a certain penalty. When they changed the penalty, they didn't change it for my time. My crime is still committed in '93, not '98, right. not 2001. Right. I had to learn that. All okay. still act stupid. After they still act stupid, I told mine. I said, "You know what?" I'm grown, I'm mature now, and I got to take control of my own situation for my own manhood, my own freedom. So what I did was the little bit of money that I hustled up in prison, and, and I'm a hustle, you find all type of ways to make money. You know, I, I found a way to spend my money instead of on BS, on commissary, on phone time. At the end of my bed, I started spending my money on filing stuff to the courts that was gonna get me out. And uh, it took me Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because you, you said, due to that knowledge that you, that you acquired at that time, that you're now assisting the lawyers and investigators to help out others who are uh, uh, trapped under similar laws. Yeah. How are you? How are you getting that word out to the people who may um, definitely need, you know, some help? How are you getting that word out? Uh, I mean, good old fashioned word of mouth because you know the network of people that's like us is big. So right. one person say. Uh, man, you know, Eon helping dudes with uh with the IBRA or Eon helping dudes with any type of reduction of sentence for the parole board. You know, we don't realize it, but our network is probably bigger than some of them slave underground networks. I mean, I can I can I can I can send one message to a person in USP Canaan, and that message would get to USP Colorado that day. You know what I mean? Keep in mind, these brothers and the feds is connected through email as well now. You know what I mean? So they it sounds like is is there a way where okay? One thing we know is we all have one loved one, or the, the majority of us do. Mm -hmm. One loved one who is amongst, you know, society. Um, can they go to eonwilliams.com and how do they how do they utilize that that well, wealth if, of knowledge that if, you hold? If, if somebody came, I get I get I get little um how do I wanna say it? I get different people's they woman or they girl or they sister that come to me and just ask me about something personal because like, you know, I don't have no firm or no big operation that I'm running. Right. Like, right. Who, who, they anybody can come and holler me Instagram anywhere if I can help I can help whether gotcha. it's answer or research that's just the answer to that but okay dudes is in jail that's actively in, in in this in this category of these Ira guys they they hearing it word of mouth from one other brother for an example I got a buddy named Raphael Parker right his Ira mm. hair is coming up and keep in mind they have freed over twenty of these guys out of all twenty more than 20, but at, a, at, a, at least that, that 20 some number, I know I wrote letters for six or seven of them. So even okay. if I say, man, you know, Eon is a credible message. You know, they let Eon come back in the jail. This is all over the jail. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So that's how those guys that's in, in immediate need of that support is okay. The, the, okay. The majority of the, uh, of the support, because I don't want to mislead or embellish nothing, the majority of the, uh, of the support is coming from these pro bono lawyers. This, getting a lot of exposure, probably getting some financial compensation for filing these. You know, you got some lawyers here that's only filing these juvenile reduction of sentence joints. We will skip that. But right. 
they come to people, not just me, you know, Monkey D. There's a couple of us out here, man, that have found okay. a way to test the situation and get out the way, right? No and, doubt, uh, no doubt. Yeah, but that's really what it is, you know what I mean? We getting yeah. out the way and they paying us to get out the way and use our spin. That's what they doing, you know what I mean? Right. But uh, it's a few guys out here that's doing the same thing, and all we really do is we explain the experience, specifically the dudes that went in on the Title 16, because that's what they're supposed right. to save here in the D.C. area. It's supposed to save mm -hmm. everybody in the whole country. But, you know, everything started in your backyard. But um, yep. they, they, they utilize us for how we went in, how we were treated, what we went through, how we changed. One thing that I know that I offer specifically, I don't know about everybody else, I always utilize the fact that I was charged as an adult, I was convicted of murder, I came home, I've been home for 10 years, and I ain't hurt nobody. The main thing, my point be is, I'm not dangerous, right? There you go. There and you I'm go. out the way. Everything there you go. I don't really care, but ain't nobody perfect. I'd have been rearrested. There you go. Time, but I ain't shot nobody. I ain't snatched no purse. I ain't touched no kid. You dig what I'm There you go. So, you Here's know. my thing. Um, when I come back to town, um, for the majority, just about every time, I go I go to uh, to Cumberland to visit my partner, uh, Sean Ruffin. Shout out to him, man. And um, and so I know that COVID has 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 affected the way that you know, those on the inside are able to communicate and 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 view, visit, have visits from their loved ones. Mm -hmm. I know the work that you were doing. I know that, um, you know, you're active with the youth. I also know that you're going back or you were going back into the local institutions of, of our hometown, Washington, D.C. And um, I want to know how has the current uh, pandemic affected that and, and and what's the backlash from that? Uh, I don't know what the full backlash is of yet because they still going through all the different changes in the DC DOC, which is only the jail and CTF. But for okay. uh, well, I guess you would call us like extra support. We ain't going in there at all. But I can't, I can't just say that they ain't allowing no type of contact because they got these tablets in the jail. Not everybody has them, and I don't know how many people have them. But uh, I work with another group. Uh, the, the group that I don't even talk about is a youth advocate program, but I work with another group called Free Minds Book Club. And uh, what okay. they do is support with reading and writing and poetry, young offenders. However, some type of way we've been sending like uh, writing uh, projects and uh, reading projects to them on tablets. Now, I'm sure that's only for probably the ones that's at school on this program called uh, Young, Men, young Men Emerge and YME. But for the rest of the guys over there, man, I just got a letter, brother, you know, reaching out for some support and some attention. He's saying that, uh, you know, that they doing them bad. So uh, that's that's the overall. But uh, with the overall, uh, the COVID thing, like the, the jail really don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Right. They ain't let everybody go. They let a couple people go. Then, you know, just a few people that they didn't let go for the COVID and they got back uh, in trouble right. with gun violence. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. it's a big old problem, Slim. I mean, you is know, there, my culture, my background, I don't even know which way to side with that. Is there a timetable for you and, and the organizations that you work with? Is there a timetable for you returning back to the institutions and being able to? On the outside, nope. we're about to start keeping them. We're about to get the outside work probably cranked back up. But uh, on the inside, people speculate next year. Speculating okay. Okay. Too. Yeah. And that's a and that's a long gap between you know I mean, even for an extension of of humanity and and that yeah that's a that's yeah, a long yeah. that we do not know I yeah. mean you know like yep. it is 
threw a damper on a lot of things. For an example, I was excited to get off a road. You know what I mean? I had plans to go to Colorado. I had plans to go to Canaan, plans to go to Poland. Right. Dude said, ain't no sense in me sending you no know, uh, slip, slim lane. We ain't going to no visit next year sometime. We don't right, know that. Right. I was like, damn, what am I talking about? Right, so, I mean, right. I, I don't know, but uh, I know that I keep in contact with my partners through, uh, this This is my personal. But, um, you know, I mean, and even though I'm saying it's my personal, every time I got a personal, like for an example, you know, a buddy called me the other day from Colorado. He important there. He got a man there that got a book. He ain't in the books. He said, oh, you know, Eon, that's my man. You, you know how that goes. So right, it's important right. his influence and what he will do for the next person. This person might need a suit. This person might need a dollar or a couple of stamps. Right. This person needs somebody to help me get my book out. Oh, I know Eon. Matter of fact, you can hear his number. Call him. Tell him I said you could call right, him. Right, right, that, that's, right, right. That's stock in the joint. You know, that means something. Yeah. The person who got that influence to the next person. Now, I ain't Stephen King and I ain't Warner Brothers, but, you know. Right, I right, right. I was, and I was able to call Shannon Holmes and Wahita the clock, and they were very helpful and inspirational to me. So hopefully I could be that dude to that dude, and my man is supposed to be somebody in there. I'm his man. That's important to him, too. I love that, man. Hey, you know what? Hey, you can find my man, Eon Williams, at eonwilliams.com. Remember, 11 books. 11 books my man have you can find at Amazon Prime or regular Amazon if you ain't got the Prime subscription. Um, if you need to get in contact with Eon, if you have any ideas, you want to further support, further empower what it is that he's doing in the communities, you can find him at Eon underscore Williams at Yahoo.com. You can also find him on Instagram for our younger generation. You know, we dinosaurs. Uh, at Uptown Eon. That's Uptown E-Y-O-N-E. -E. That's on Instagram. And you can find him on Facebook at Eon Williams. Regular name, regular guy, but extraordinary. My man, hey, I want to thank you for taking time out to uh, grace us with your story. Uh, we want to definitely get the word out to, you know, my thing is the youth, but when you're reaching back into, into the dungeons and pulling brothers up, you know, we can't do anything but salute that. So uh, until next time, you salute, see. my man. Much love, man. Much love. Catch you next time. Definitely.